It is good to be back in the house of the Lord tonight. I do appreciate all of you that are here. Those that are out in the parking lot, we're glad that you're here. And uh, I'm just thankful tonight. Um, I I know our crowd's down some to what it has been, but that's all right. And I'm just thankful for each and every one that is here. Thankful for the good singing. Thought a while ago as we were singing that song, there's a blood-washed throng that I'm going to shout and sing with. Um, Thought I'm going to get to see people that have done past from this life. Uh, you can find in, in the Old Testament that um, Abraham and some other ones it mentions he, he, he died and he was buried, but it said he went to his people. And I've got people over there that I'm going to, some that I barely remember. I, I just barely, barely remember my grandpas. They both died when I was really young. Uh, but they're over there. And one day we're going to get acquainted properly. Uh, you that are here tonight that have lost loved ones, I'm glad there's a meeting place, aren't you? I'm glad that I'm glad that there's something beyond this life. There is an eternity. Brother Jeff, I believe, made mention of this is just a preparing place. I'm glad I'm prepared. There's a, a scripture in the Old Testament, the book of Amos, it said, O Israel, prepare to meet thy God. I'm glad I'm prepared tonight to meet Him. Not just to meet Him, but to worship Him. I want to know Him as He really is tonight. I know we can read about Him and, and read, you know, it's a blessed book, and, but, uh, but I want to know Him like John knew Him. When he saw Him on the Isle of Patmos and he said His eyes were a flame of fire and His hair was white like wool and he was girt about the paps with a golden girdle and his feet like they were burned into fine brass and his voice was as the sound of many waters and on his head was a crown and many crowns. He had a vesture dipped in blood and on his thigh was a name written that no man knew. But then it said, it did say the word of God. And a sharp sword goes out of his mouth and in that he does judge and make war. I don't know about you, but uh, if you're lost, I, I know what the answer might be, but if you're saved tonight, I don't know about you, but, but I, I get excited thinking about thinking about that man coming back on a white horse. There's just something about that that excites me. It's third Brother Jeff made mention the other night that, that that old devil he made mention a while ago too about a, a man that's been fighting the devil this week. And I know what that's like. And, and I understand that fight and that battle and... And starting out this week with COVID, and, and I, I didn't mean to upset anybody by not being here in the first few nights, but I couldn't really be helped. But it started there, and some other things have happened this week that just hurts. And and uh, but none of that matters right now. None of that matters. I love you tonight, and I love the Lord tonight, and I'm just thankful uh, to be part of this church and part of His number. Uh, thankful to. To serve Him one more time, as Brother Ethan said, we just want to feel God pass by. Uh, you know, it's not every time that I stand and preach that uh, that you really feel the anointing of God, but every once in a while, Brother Jeff, I walked on water up here. Every once in a while, He'll pass by in such a sweet spirit. And I pray it's that way tonight, because I've got something to say, and if He'd help me tonight, I want to I want to try and help you. And just come with a thankful heart. Don't listen to, to me, but listen to thus saith the Spirit. And thus saith the Lord. And as Brother Ethan's already made mention, if you're here tonight and the Lord begins dealing with you, uh, if He's dealing with you in the middle of the sermon, I wouldn't put it off. 
I would come running down to the altar. You need to be prepared for that day. You might not ever make it back to your bed tonight. I might not make it back to my bed tonight. But thanks be to God if I never lay down on my pillow at night. Not ever again. If this morning was the last sunrise that I'll ever see, I know where I'm going. How about you? Not not because of anything that I've done. I'm a sinner. But I'm a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. I've got something down on the inside that did not originate from this world. It came down from above. I'm glad He sought me one night. I've said this a lot of times, but the night that I got saved, I didn't go to church with a mind of I'm going to seek Him. But when I got there, it was Him that came looking for me. And I thought so many times there was seven billion or so people on planet earth that night, but He sought me. That humbles me tonight to realize God makes it personal with you. If He's seeking you tonight above every man that's on the face of this earth, He's coming for you. And I sure wouldn't put it off. It's when that Spirit begins to draw you, that's when you can be saved. It's not any other. It's been said this week, you can't be saved. If you could be saved, there'd be a lot of deathbed salvations if that were the case. But I'm afraid... I'm afraid to be the bearer of bad news, but that's not how it works. There have been people saved on their deathbed. Yes, sir, thank God for every one of them, but I wouldn't chance that. I mean, if God's dealing with you, then's the time that He means to save you. If you have your Bibles and want to read along, I'm going to read in three different places, but we're going to, we're going to read in Genesis chapter 22. That's where we're going to start. Is there anything on your heart tonight while you turn and find your place in the Word of God? Yes, sir. Brother Beasley, I want to thank the Lord for saving my soul. Amen. Thankful to be here. I had a little struggle to get here, but I'm thankful to be here. Amen. Bless your brother, Tim. Appreciate that. Somebody else? If not, I'd turn your attention to Genesis chapter 22. And we preached a little about Abraham the other night. And this really ain't going to be about Abraham, but it has to do with Abraham. Um, chapter 22, very familiar scripture. Uh, you've probably heard it from the time that you were a child, but that's all right. It says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass. And I don't know about you, I wouldn't have... I would have put that off as long as I could. But he rose up early the next morning, it said, and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father... And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. 
But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him in a ram, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Keep that in mind and I'll ask you to turn to John, just a few chapters, in the, a few verses in the first chapter of John. Um, and it says in verse 29, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said after me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him, and I knew him not. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Again the next day, after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And finishing up in Revelation chapter number 7. You bear with me, I know it's a lot of reading, but it's alright. And chapter 7 of Revelation, starting with verse 9. It says, And after this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, that's that blood-washed throng that we were just singing about, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their face and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are those which are arrayed in white robes and whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple, and He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. I said a while ago that nothing about... Our struggles matter right now, not tonight, because tonight, if I could use what 
John the Baptist just said, and I read part of it there, uh, tonight it's not about me, tonight is about the Lamb. Uh, you look at me tonight, you that are sitting out there, and let me look you right in the eyes, and I'm going to tell you tonight, you need a Lamb. You need a Lamb. It's the only way you need a Lamb. And so nothing matters tonight except the Lamb of God. And nothing matters tonight except for Him. If I could use what John the Baptist said, he said, this is the one that was preferred before me because He was before me. And John the Baptist said, He must increase and I must decrease. I want you to understand tonight that, that us preachers, we try not to ever make this about it. I know there are those in the world today who do make it all about them, but tonight I wouldn't dare make this service about me. But it's about Him. He, he stood before us, the Bible declares, as a lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world. I read in your hearing there, and we'll, uh, when we finished up with Abraham the other night, he was still looking for that son. If you'll remember, I said to take notice of Abraham's age. Uh, when God made him the promise of the son, he was 75 years old. And 75 years old was kind of old to, uh, to still yet have a son. And, and Sarah was older as well. And, and, uh, and God said, uh, He said, according to this time next year, uh, and time had went on, you see, and, and Abraham still had no son. Uh, he got into a place and Sarah, uh, Sarah tried to help God. Uh, and we try to help God sometimes, but you know what? Uh, God don't need our help. Uh, and not when it comes to His promise. Uh, God needs us to serve Him tonight. And, and I need God to help me tonight, but He don't need me to help Him. He'll stand on His own. And, and, uh, and to each man, uh, to each one, uh, a man will stand or fall on his own. But, uh, uh, but, but Abraham being older and still had no son, and still desiring that son, he said, God, what are you going to give me? And God said, I'm going to give you a son. And, and time went on, and, and he still didn't have a son. And then, uh, then Sarah, his wife, said unto him, uh, said unto him, Go into my handmaid Hagar. And Hagar was probably given to Abraham from the Egyptians. Uh, and I'll not get into that, but she was an Egyptian woman and the handmaid of Sarah. And, and Sarah said, Just have a child by her. And, and that way at least you'll have a seed in the earth and we can raise him as our own. And, and Abraham did that. But as soon as they had that son uh, uh, from Hagar, uh, the Bible said that Sarah was despised in her eyes. Uh, and so uh, uh, Sarah said, Just cast out this woman. Uh, and the Bible says that uh, that they still waited and, and 24 years went by and they still had no child of their own. That's a long time to wait for a promise. Uh, but, uh, uh, but the promises of God, Brother Ethan preached the other night, in Him are yea and amen. Uh, and so God is faithful to His Word. Uh, he told us, uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews rather tells us, uh, He told Abraham, because I could swear by no greater, I swore by myself. I want you to understand that tonight, that when God makes a promise, He's mindful of that promise. He hadn't forgot what He had told Abraham. He hadn't forgot that Abraham believed God. And because Abraham believed God, righteousness was counted unto Abraham. But 24 years it went by and still no son. And finally the angels came and visited Abraham. And the Lord Himself told him in the plains of Mamre, in the door of a tent, 
He said at this time next year you're going to have a son. And Sarah heard it and she laughed. She said, I'm too old. She said, Abraham is 99 now. 75 would have been a stretch, but he's now 99. And she was about 89 or 90. And she said, surely, she laughed and said, surely this can't happen. I can remember another time in the Word of God where a man by the name of Elisha told a woman the same thing. She wanted a boy. And he said, according to this time next year, you're going to have a son. And she said, don't you lie to me. I want you to understand tonight, God will never lie to you. He'll never say one thing to you that He doesn't back up by His own Word. And because He can swear by no greater, He swore by Himself. And so they finally had a son. And they named him Isaac. And he was a hundred years old when Isaac was born. And Isaac grew up. And he circumcised Isaac and all of his house. And for a while it seemed that everything was going good. They were living in the promise of God. They had cast out Sarah. They had cast out Hagar and Ishmael, the other son. And God said, cast him out. He said, because the promise is not going to come through Hagar and not going to come through Ishmael. But He said, every promise that I've made to you is wrapped up in Isaac. It's in Isaac. He's the seed of the promise. Is what the Apostle Paul tells us that uh, that uh, that Mount Sinai gendered to Hagar, uh, but that uh, Sarah and Isaac uh, was come down from above, and so and they were living in the promises of God. And then there came a day, and I just read that in your hearing. Out of nowhere, it seems like uh, the Bible just said, after these things, uh, Abraham had been tried as much as any man had ever been tried, uh, but his greatest trial uh, was yet in. The future. His greatest trial had not yet come. You might think when you're young and you fight these battles that, that there's going to come a day when you get older and you can rest. But I've got news for you. Your greatest trial might come in the twilight of your life. Your greatest trial might come. In other words, there's no place to stop trusting God. Uh, but this this came to uh, the, the word came to Abraham uh, and it had to be like a hammer that just broke his heart. He said, Abraham, and he didn't know what God wanted, but he said, Here am I, Lord. Here am I. And he said, Take now your son. And he said, Take now your only son. Take Isaac, that child of your old age, that one whom all of my promises has been tied up in. Take Isaac, and I want you to give him to me for a burnt offering. And Abraham, the Bible said, it doesn't really say what he thought, but I can imagine, can't you? This was the child whom he loved, and God knew he loved him. He said, take your son, your only son, and the boy that you love, and the boy that you've raised, and the boy that you've nurtured. At this time, we I used to see Bible stories when I was a kid, and my granny would read them to me, and she had a book of Bible stories, and it always depicted Isaac as just a little lad at this time. But the older I've got, the more I realize I don't think he was a little lad. I think Isaac by this time was a man. I think he was a full-grown man. I think he was a perfect picture of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And Abraham said, Lord, here I am. And God said, take your only boy. Take the one that you love. Take the one that's given your whole life meaning. 
and offer him up for a sacrifice to me. And the Bible said that Abraham rose up early in the morning and I said, well, I go, I would have put that trial off. I would have tried to get out of it. I would have tried everything in my power. Surely, God, you don't want me to kill my son and not just kill my son, but then to burn him. So when he was done, he would be nothing but a pile of ash. That's what God wanted Abraham to do. And the Bible said Abraham, being a faithful servant, he rose up early and they set off on their journey. And for three days they rode. And three days they walked and they rode donkeys and whatnot. And for three days Abraham's heart was breaking. And the Bible says in Hebrews that he received him back from the dead in a sense. So in Abraham's mind, Isaac had already been sacrificed. He was already dead. But the writer of Hebrews goes on to tell us this, that Abraham believed God so much, he accounted the promise. He said, And Isaac shall the promise come. Every promise that I made to you, Abraham, it's wrapped up in Isaac. And Hebrews tells us that Abraham believed that God would have raised Isaac from the dead. And raised him from the dead. And so he told his servants, you stay here with this donkey. He said, me and the lad, and me and the boy, and me and my son, and we're going to go up on Mount Moriah, and we're going to sacrifice and worship. And he said, we will return again unto you. Man, what great faith. What great faith Abraham had. But Abraham got up there, and he laid in the perfect picture. He laid the wood upon his son. And Isaac bore that wood. And I don't know what was going through Isaac's mind. I suspect we don't really know. Isaac didn't understand at the time, at least not yet, what was fixing to happen. And because he said, Father, Father, we have the fire and we have the wood. But where is the lamb? That's the question I want to ask you tonight. Last night, Brother Ethan asked a question in a wonderful sermon, and he asked, where is the king gone? I would ask you a question tonight, just what Isaac said, where is the lamb? Remember, you need a lamb. You need a lamb. I'm thankful tonight I've got a lamb. You see, it was always designed in the way and the will of God that in order to pay for sins of man, that something would have to die. That's the way that God set it up. Even all the way back in the very beginning, when Adam ate that fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the Bible said that God had clothed them with coats of skins. The only way He could clothe them with coats of skins is that something had to die. Some little lamb had to give his life. He didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't the lamb's fault, but the lamb had to die. And you need a lamb tonight. Where is the lamb? Is what Isaac said. The Bible says later on that Cain and Abel brought offerings unto God. And Cain brought of the fruit of the ground. He was a, he was a worldly worshiper. He was those that are out of the world today uh, that want to serve God, that want to be born again, but they don't want a blood-bought way. They don't want a blood-bought way. Uh, they want an easy way. Uh, they want a modern way. But the Bible says Abel, 
Abel brought in the sacrifice of his firstlings and he brought it unto God. He laid that lamb on an altar and the Bible said God had respect unto Abel's offering because it was sanctified with blood. And so Abel understood. The Bible says Cain got jealous and Cain killed Abel. And the Bible said that God said that the blood of Abel cries out unto the ground. You see, the blood of Abel cried out for vengeance. It cried out for, for punishment. It cried out for swift justice. The blood of Jesus, according to the Hebrew uh, letter, says that the blood of Jesus speaketh of better things than that of Abel. You see, the blood of Jesus cries out for mercy and forgiveness. There's a vast difference there. Uh, but at any rate, uh, Abraham looked at Isaac and looked at his son bearing the, uh, bearing the wood and, and Isaac said, where is the lamb? And Abraham said, my son God will provide himself a lamb. Down through the course of time, uh, you see the Israelites the Hebrews down in Egypt land. And as they were there, and they were slaves for 430 years, the Bible said a deliverer came by the name of Moses. And the Bible said that Moses instructed them all that God told him. And after all the plagues of Egypt, the very last thing, uh, the Bible said that Moses told those Hebrews that tonight God is going to pass through this land. What would you do, church, tonight? Lost sinner, what would you do tonight if the death angel was to pass through Lafayette Missionary Baptist Church? Uh, could you imagine as those Hebrews were there and they could hear the destruction going on, they could hear the screams of the Egyptians, and no doubt if you were close enough to the home of an Egyptian, you could hear them cry and wail and scream. Why? Because they didn't have a lamb. But the Hebrews had a lamb. And you see, they were instructed to take a lamb without spot and without blemish and set it apart for four days and test it and try it and make sure that it's perfect, make sure that it's healthy, make sure that it's clean. He said, and now tonight you're going to take that lamb and each household is going to take a lamb for a house and each household is going to slay that lamb and I want you to take the blood of that lamb and just simply strike it upon the doorpost of your house. Now on the outside, that seems like a silly thing. How can the blood of a lamb uh, make the death angel pass over? Uh, but you see the ways of God. The Bible says God has chosen the foolishness of this world. He chose the foolishness of God to be wiser than man. And so it wasn't just the blood. It was the face. It was what the blood represented. He was looking forward the same way that Isaac's uh, 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 sacrifice did. He was looking forward to the Lamb of God. But you see, they took that lamb and they slayed that lamb. And the Bible said they roasted it with fire. Just the same that Abraham was commanded to do to Isaac. I've read some history and it's not Bible, but it is history. And they said when they took that lamb... They had to roast it with fire. And I, what I've read said they would take that lamb and you know how they would do it without breaking any of its bones? They would put him on a spit and, and, uh, and that was a cross. They made a cross 
and they stretched that little lamb out and then fastened his hands and his feet and they roasted it with fire. I want you to realize tonight you need a lamb of God. It's the only chance you've got. It's the only hope you've got. I know there are other ways. I know what we've witnessed this week is strange to a lot of folks in this world. Why in the world are those crying and begging on an altar, tears flowing and snot flying? I'm telling you, that's the way to get saved. It has to be that way. Now, you might not physically shed a tear. You might not open your mouth. But your heart is going to be broke. The same as Abraham's was. The same was Abraham. You see, when you think about that Lamb of God, Isaac said, Daddy, where is the Lamb? And God, Abraham said, God will provide. About 2,000 years later, God indeed provided a Lamb. But that Lamb had always been there. He had been there from the foundation. Before Adam was created, and before the angels were created, before the world was created, the Bible said Jesus Christ stood as that lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so He made a promise unto Eve that your seed, the seed of the woman, out of your seed shall come forth one that will smite the devil and He'll take care of him. And that promise hung there for 4,000 years. But there came a day, as we read to you in John the Baptist, there came a day when that lamb was born in Bethlehem of Judea. There came a day when just as it was prophecy that Bethlehem, even though it was the least among the nations, out of these shall come forth he that shall be a governor and a ruler of my people. And so in fullness of time, the Bible said God sent forth His Son. Made under the law. Made of a woman. Brother Jeff preached the other night that it's appointed unto man once to die. I've said this before, but but I've heard different ones say, well, uh, William Shakespeare, he was born to write plays. Uh, other athletes, they were born to play this game. And my friend, Jesus Christ was born for one thing. He was born to die. That was the purpose of His whole existence. He was born just to die. To be that Lamb of God. And so He came. And the Bible said that He grew in stature. He grew in grace. He grew in favor with man and with God. And the Bible said He grew up. We don't know a lot about His earthly life from the time that He was born to the time that He was 12. And then from the time He was 12 to the time He was about 30. There's about 18 years of silence there. But God was preparing Him. He knew the whole time. Every step that He took was leading Him straight to the cross of Calvary. Every step that He took, everything that He did, everything that He said, He came to be that Lamb. Now the book of Isaiah in chapter 53, it talks about Isaiah had a vision of that Lamb. He said He's wounded for our transgressions and the iniquity and, by, and chastised for us and by, by His stripes we're healed. And so He came to die. But I want to take you to Calvary now. I want to use that picture of Abraham and Isaac. I want to use that picture of Isaac carrying that wood. I want to use that picture of them. You know where Mount Moriah is at? It was a range of mountains there. And later on that same spot of Mount Moriah, 
The Bible says Solomon built his temple. That David had sacrificed. He had bought the place. It was a threshing floor of wheat. And he bought that place off of a root of the Jebusite. And he sacrificed and worshipped unto God. In that same spot where Isaac stood. In that same spot as they built the altar. Can you imagine as Abraham had to explain to Isaac... I know this might sound strange, but you're going to have to die. I know you didn't do anything wrong. I know you don't deserve this, but you're going to have to die. It's commanded of God. And just as a picture of Jesus Christ, I don't think Abraham had to wrestle Isaac down. I think Isaac just laid back and said, Okay, okay, let's do this. And so they built an altar there. And just as I read to you, just about the time Abraham had drew the knife back, an angel had stopped him. But there was nobody to stay the hand of God. Nobody to stay the hand of God when it came to His Son. And the Bible said that, that there came a night. And in that night, it was the last night that Jesus would live on this earth before He was crucified. And in that night, He gathered His disciples together. They had been faithful to follow Him for three and a half years. They had walked with Him and talked with Him. They had seen Him feed 5,000 with just a few loaves and a few fishes. And they had seen Him raise the dead. They would seen Him heal the sick. They would seen Him restore the sight to one that had been born blind. But now there came a time He instituted a supper. He instituted the Lord's Supper. He instituted the... It was doing away with the Passover. It was doing away with that and instituting something totally different. He said, take and eat. This is My body which is given for you. And He said, take this blood. He said, this is the blood of the New Testament. It's the blood of the covenant. Do you realize tonight God has a blood covenant with man? It's a covenant ratified and sealed in His own blood. But I thought about that as He instituted His supper. The Bible said they slung a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. And as they got to the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives was really signified a prince. It was an olive press. He was there in the olive trees. And He told His disciples to stay here. He said, My heart is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death. He knew what was coming. He knew what He was going to have to do. And He knew above all else He was going to have to tread that wine press alone. There was no help for Him. There was nobody that could help Him now. He said, My soul is in agony. He said, I want you to just pray with Me. And they couldn't even stay awake and pray for an hour. I thought about that different times. Have we come into church on Sunday mornings and it was starting at 11 o'clock and by 12 o'clock at just an hour and we're ready to go home and we're ready to hit the door and we can't even watch for an hour. That's right, amen. David, you know I'm telling you the truth tonight. I'll give that man of God till 12 o'clock to bless me and if I've not seen it then, I'm gone out of here. Maybe not in body, but in mind. We're gone. I understand all of that. But the Bible said that He said, My soul is in agony. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine the agony. And He came back to His disciples. And He said, Could you not even watch just an hour? He said, The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He got that right. Tonight my spirit is willing, my flesh is awfully weak. But he got that right. 
And he said he went off again the second time. And by a stone's cast. And he knelt down. And he began to pray. Oh, Father. In one gospel. One gospel that says if this. He said, oh, Father, if it's possible. Let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless. If thou hast, if it's not possible, then I'll drink it to its bitter drink. That's what he was saying. But he said, take this cup from me. The writer of Hebrews says that he cried out with prayers and strong crying unto him that was able to save him from death. And he was heard and that he feared. And the Bible said the angels came down and strengthened and ministered unto our Lord. The Bible says he began to sweat as it were in agony. And his sweat was as it were as great drops of blood spilling down to the ground. I can't imagine the agony that he must have been in. He knew what that night was going to hold. He knew. He even told his apostles that it is written, smite the shepherd and the sheep are going to be scattered. He knew they were all going to forsake him. He knew even though they said, everyone, not just Peter, every one of them said, if we have to die with you, we'll die with you. And we'll never forsake you. It wasn't just Peter that said that. He said it first. But likewise said they all. And so tonight, there he is, in the garden alone, in that wine press among the olive trees, and sweating blood, and knowing that in just a few short hours, before noon ever rolled around, the Bible said they came after him that night. His own friend betrayed him. One that he had chosen and called. One that he had led walk with him and talk with him. One that had witnessed it all. But Judas Iscariot, he came and he told the chief priest, the man whom I kiss is that same Jesus. Take him away. And the Bible said Judas came and he said, Hail Master. And he kissed our Lord. And the Bible said those men, those soldiers that came on the scene. And Jesus said, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. And they fell backward down to the ground. I'm telling you tonight, the voice of God is powerful. It knocked him down to the ground. And the Bible said he rose up. He went with them. He went into the hall of Caiaphas, the high priest. He was there and he was mocked and he was spit upon and he was beaten. Before the day dawned, he had been to Caiaphas. He had been to Pilate. Uh, Pilate seemed to Herod. Herod had sent him back to Pilate. And there he stood in a mock trial. You know, they tried to find false witnesses. And they witnessed against him. And they said he's guilty of loving sinners. Uh, uh, Brother Jeff, I'm glad he is guilty of loving sinners. Uh, they said he's made himself to be the Son of God. I'm glad tonight he is guilty of that. Being the Son of God. And the Bible says he stood there. And like a lamb led to his slaughter, he opened not his mouth. He stood there as they mocked him, as they beat him. Before the day dawned, they had blindfolded him. And they had spit upon him. They had spit in his face. And they blindfolded him. And they took in their hands and struck him on the side of the head. And they beat him some more. And still he opened not his mouth. You need a lamb tonight. And he opened not his mouth. It was there that I began to be bought with a price. 
in the in the, in the judgment hall of Herod, in the judgment hall of Pilate, in the judgment hall of Caiaphas, the high priest. It was there uh, that he he started to buy me with a price. It was there uh, that he began to take the beatings and the ridicule. The Bible said they uh, they took his clothes off. Uh, they arrayed him in a purple robe. Uh, they planted a crown of thorns. Uh, they twisted up thorns. Uh, I put them on his head like a crown. I took a reed and began to smite him upon the head. And the blood began to fall. And the blood began to flow. This is the Son of God. It would be a heinous thing to treat anybody that way. But God, wrapped up in human flesh, and becoming a lamb so that we can be saved. You understand that's what it takes tonight. It takes the death of an innocent victim. It takes the death of a lamb in order to save a soul. It takes grace and mercy. And above all else, it takes the blood. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission. All the way back in Leviticus in the Old Testament, chapter 16 or 17, it said the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. When I had a heart attack and, and I was dying, I, the reason I was dying is because I wasn't getting any blood flow. You cut off the blood and you cut off the life. And so His blood began to fall. He was losing His blood. The Bible said they then took him and Pilate sentenced him to be scourged. You know what that was? You know what an awful thing that was? They took our Lord and took his clothes off and tied him to a whipping post. And there he hang. There he was tied up to a whipping post. He bore his back to the Snyders. The Bible said they flogged him with a cat of nine tails. And they took this whip with bones and metal and, and, uh, and fragments of steel in it. And they were trained, those legionnaires, every time they lashed him on the back, they were trained to pull that. And when they pulled it, great hunks of flesh would be ripped out. You understand the pain that he had to go through? You understand that... I don't believe they took it easy on him. I personally believe he was beaten more than any man has ever, ever been beaten in his life. He took the beating that no man could have taken. But he did it. And he took it. And he took it for you. Why? Because you need a lamb. Because you need to be saved. Because the only way for you to escape hell's fire and brimstone and torments. And the Bible says that those in hell, in Revelation it says, the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. There's no end to it. How do you escape that awful place? You need a lamb. It's the only escape you've got. You need that lamb. So there he was, beaten and bloody. He was dehydrated. You can read about it in the 22nd chapter of Psalms. It said all of his bones were out of joint. It said God brought him down to the dust of death. He was dehydrated. He had went all night being beaten within an inch of his life. And any other man would have succumbed and died right there. But his time had not came yet. Not yet. It wasn't over. It was just getting started. And so he picked himself up. His back at this point was just hanging. 
in long ribbons of flesh. It's just a mass of unrecognizable flesh hanging down in long ribbons. And the blood spattered across the back of his legs and the backside of him. And his head was bleeding from the thorny crown. And my friend Isaac had to carry his own wood. It was at this point the Bible said they took him up and they, they laid upon him the patabellum of the cross. They laid the wood upon him. Just like Isaac. And at this point he started his lonely walk down the Golgotha. He started down the Via Dolorosa. He started to walk through Jerusalem. Oh, the people were coming from everywhere. The women were there. They were crying. They were weeping. They were wailing. And the mother of Jesus was there. And she was weeping for her son. That was her boy. And that they had beat within an inch of his life. And they wasn't through with him. He walked down the Via Dolorosa. And he stopped. And he talked to those women. He said, don't you weep for me. But you weep for your children. Look around you tonight. I weep for our children. I really do. I was privileged to grow up in a time when we knew what it was, when the church knew what it was to have revival, when the church knew what it was to stand and just thank the Lamb of God. I know what it is. As I read in Revelation, that blood was strong is there. And they say, and night and day, salvation and honor and glory and power and might have been to the Lamb that had been slain. He was slain, the Bible said, to receive power. The devil got power by deception. He got power by cheating and lying and stealing. The Lamb got His power by being slain. But the Bible said that He did receive power. He received power. He stopped and He said, Don't you weep for me. Weep for your children. He carried that cross as far as His broken body would carry Him. And then even our Lord succumbed under the weight of that thing. And they compelled one Simon of Cyrenian to carry it, the Simeonus ring to carry it the rest of the way. They got to Calvary, the place of a skull. In Hebrew, Golgotha, it says. And they got there, and the Bible said there, He was crucified. My, you need a lamb. You need a lamb. He was crucified. And just like Isaac, they didn't have to wrestle Him down. Those Roman legionnaires were there. And I believe, brother, he just laid down. I just believe he laid down and stretched forth his hand and said the same thing probably that he said to Judas. What you're fixing to do, you go ahead and do it. These people need a lamb. And so he, he did. And he stretched forth his hand and they took square wrought iron nails. Uh, maybe up to the Bible, the, the, the history says some of them were up to 18 inches in length. And they first drove it through his hands and both hands. And then they took him. 
the Bible said, and then they took his left foot and pushed it up against his right foot, feet straight, toes pointed down, and they drove a nail through the arches of both of his feet, and then he was crucified. All because I needed a lamb. The Bible said he was crucified. So there he is now, hanging between the heaven and the earth. The only pure good thing that had ever set foot in this world was now dying. You understand what he went through for you to be saved tonight? You understand the torture that his body took? He said, I come to do thy will. Oh God of body, thou hast prepared me. And so he was crucified now. And as they crucified him, what happens at a crucifixion, the way I understand it, is you're hanging there and you're sort of sagging down. You're sort of, sort of sagging down. All the weight is on those nails in your hand. But the problem is you can't breathe. You suffocate. And so the only way you could take any breath was to, to stand up as best you could. And every time that you would take a breath, your, your weight would be on both your feet and on that nail. And you would have to suck in just so you could breathe in, but you couldn't breathe it back out. And so every breath he took, his bloody back was raked against that rough wood and more blood began to flow. You need a light. And so he hanged there. And seven times he cried from the cross. The first one, he said, Father, forgive them. Can you imagine that? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And truly, I don't believe they did. They didn't know what they were doing. They were crucifying the Lord of glory. Father, forgive you. See how the blood of Jesus speaketh better things than that of Abel. He wasn't crying out for vengeance. He was crying out for mercy. Father, forgive me. They need a lamb. I'll be their lamb. Now, there was heard a voice in eternity past and it said, Father, I'll go. I'll go and I'll be their perfect lamb. That was a covenant made between Father, Son, and Spirit in eternity past. I'll go and be their lamb. And the Father said, Son, if you go, I'll raise you from the dead. And the Spirit was there and He said, I'll help you along the way. That's not Bible, but that's what I believe happened. And so he hanged there. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. And then the thief, Brother Tim sang a song last night about the man in the middle. There was something about that man in the middle. That one of those thieves, you talk about faith, that thief had more faith in this moment than even the apostles. Why do you say that, preacher? Because that thief knew that Jesus was dying. But he said, Lord, I know you're dying. I know there's no way you're coming down from this cross alive. I know they're going to take your bloody frame and they're going to bury it somewhere. But he said, I know you have a kingdom beyond here. And when you get there, just remember me. Just have to glance my way. Listen, friend, it don't take a long prayer to be saved. To be honest, I don't remember the most of what I said the night that I was saved. It don't take a good orator 
or a good speechwriter. All it takes is a look of faith and the heart being broken, knowing that you need a lamb. That one thief realized, I need a lamb, and Lord, remember me. And one more time he raised up, and he said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Time went on, and he raised up one more time, and he said, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. And so he was telling John to take care of Mary. And he called her woman. And I'm hurrying through. You bear with me. I believe he said woman instead of mother. Because even at that point, I believe our Lord realized Mary could not only think of Him as just her son now, He has to now be her Lord and Savior. And so he said, Woman, behold thy son. Son, behold thy mother. A short time later, he cried out, the Bible says about, about noon, about noon it got dark. And it was a darkness, I believe, that could be felt. I don't think you could see your hand in front of your face. For the light of the world was going out. And the light of the world was hanging there dying. And with a gut-wrenching cry, he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For the first time in his life, he was alone. No spirit, no father. But he hanged there alone. You say, creature, does he know what it feels like to be separated? Yes, sir. Yes, sir, he does. He knows that feeling. My God, my God, why? Have you ever prayed that? I've prayed that before. Why have you forsaken me? My God, my God. The light of the world was going out. It was dark now. His tissue, the loss of fluids was reaching a, reaching a critical level now. He was dehydrated severely. All of his bones were out of joint. He was brought down to the dust of death. And he said, I thirst. And they filled a sponge of vinegar and gave it to him to drink. The Bible says that from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock there was total darkness. And the Bible says about 3 o'clock, uh, he raised up and he knew. You see, it wasn't just the physical pain, but he took the wrath of God which poured out of his own son. And that's what hurt him. That's what hurt more than even the beatings. He took the sin of man, placed it upon his own shoulders. And because sin has to be punished, the holy wrath of God in all of its full measure he didn't hold back anything. But he emptied the full wrath of God on his own son. No wonder he said, why have you forsaken me? But about three o'clock, or shortly before, he now said, it is finished. No more little lambs have to die. No more blood has to be spilled. See, for thousands of years, every day, lambs were slain. For thousands of years, the priests would stand before the altars and slit the throat and drain the blood. All the blood that had been spilled in thousands of years in Israel, thousands of lambs had to die. But when Jesus said, it is finished, He meant the whole plan of salvation is now complete. And with one last surge of strength, at about three o'clock, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he bowed his head 
and gave up the ghost. And he did all of that because you need a lamp. I don't know how much simpler I can put a message to you tonight. That's what it takes for you to be saved. And it takes belief. It takes faith. It takes trust. It's putting everything you've got into that one basket. It's taking your whole life, all your sins, all your failures, all your faults, all your goodness, all your and putting it in the faith of the Lamb of God that stood slain before the foundation of the world. And if you do that, do you really think He would have endured all of that and then let you call out upon Him and He would not save you? There's no way He endured too much for that. If you call out to Him in faith, just like that thief, Lord, remember me. That's all it took. That's all it takes tonight. It's just a childlike trust. Matter of fact, when I was saved, I'd done stop praying. You say, preacher, that's impossible. I'm just telling you what happened. I prayed and prayed and prayed. Didn't know what else to say. Didn't know what else to do. Just feeling broken inside. And I was about right there where that tissue box is. On the right side of an altar. And my friend, I finally stood up. 